0: All right, everybody. Well, welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, the YouTube video. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. And as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino. And we are already on episode 117. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, as you guys know by now, uh, tonight we're going to be talking with Chris Fox Wallace. And uh, we're going to be gigging, digging in a little bit into something we announced last week, which was the Crazy Like a Fox. It's just a phenomenal training opportunity. Uh, go to recpokertraining.com, check it out. Use the code FOXRECPOKER to get 50% off that deal. But all the details are out there. If, if uh, any questions that you have from tonight aren't answered, go check that out or get a hold of me and, and we can chat about it as well. Also, just a, just a quick shout-out to – I've seen so many people now wearing the rec poker stuff, and it's super exciting. And I always forget everybody that's doing it. Uh, but just a few names came to mind when I was thinking about this. Stacy Nelson, Darren Peasley, Jack Burke. Brian Soja, uh, Jill Burke, uh, several other people that I've seen out there wearing it. So thanks for you guys for repping the brand, uh, greatly appreciated. A reminder too: Monday nights, eight to nine thirty. If you just want to talk poker, if you're trying to get better, uh, every every Monday night we just get together through the video conference. It's free. You have to register, but it is free. Uh, we've been talking about hand ranging. Uh, so if you just want to talk poker with us, uh, jump on there. Get a hold of me if you can't figure out how to register, but you can do that online as well and just a quick shout out every week we talk about the running aces player of the week uh this week it's a little bit self-centered because i get to announce that i was one of them i actually got the points lead nice. this week yeah uh, it was kind of a short week I, I got to play four tournaments and ended up winning two of them and final table in the other two so it was a good week for me uh, but also kevin kelsenberg dave soderstrom and lee Bo, uh, who's a tough opponent at aces uh they were in the top four so Uh, congratulations to all of those folks out there. And just another quick shout out, Derek Smith, Rob Washam, Stacey Nelson, joining us here tonight uh, as part of the panel to talk to Chris Fox Wallace, who at this point, Fox, you really don't need a big introduction. If you want a big big introduction about Fox, go back and listen to episode 112 or the several others that we've had him on. But uh, Chris, welcome once again to the show. Thanks, Steve. I don't know why I'm doing this. If you're player of the week, I've never won player of the week in anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't, you don't play enough. You you know, here's the key. You got to play the 30 and $75 tournaments.
1: Oh, that is a problem.
0: I I don't think that's your sweet spot. I I just, I'm not sure. It's hard for me to pay for the gas that way. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) But anyway, so, so Fox, we're going to do a couple of hands, do a couple hand histories, but let's start off. First of all, you know, the kind of the announcement that we made last week this, uh, this whole training seminar, this virtual 10 session, crazy like a fox, how pros think about tournament poker training session coming up. T- talk a little bit about where did that come from and what's the genesis of, of that idea and I guess making it a reality.
1: I've been wanting to do some things like this for a long time. You know, when I'm working with students and I'm working on training sites and I've been teaching them since the very first poker training sites at like Rec Poker at uh, what was it called, uh, Real Poker Training, and then my own site was one of the first ones. And um, I've kind of been working with one training site or another for the last ten years or so, and I've amassed all this information. When I wrote my book, it was because I had studied myself. I, I taught myself to play No Limit. I learned a lot of things about No Limit. And I thought, I, I have all this information. So basically, I just sent a bunch of a mess over to Adam Stemple. And he said, yeah, this is a book. We'll make this a book. And um, I've amassed so much information in, in all this time that um, I've thought about doing something like this. I've thought about launching another training site, but I really don't know if I have the energy to do that or the time to do that. I've thought about all kinds of things from like a group thing like you do, thought about a lot of ways to do this. And when you came to me with a kind of an idea like this right away, I said, that's the thing. That's it. I've got all the information. I've got all this content I've built over the years. I've, I've even thought about it. I have so much free time at the poker tables that I do, you know, I it's literally learn a new language or like listen to a book or write some notes on something else or write a book, whatever it is. And one of the things I've done is, is create a bunch of potential seminars and, and a bunch of content. So I knew right away, this was the right thing. And um, then we, then I kind of wrote out a plan. How am I going to really teach people the thing, all the things that to know about tournament poker from the start. And it's a little bit of a, a, a karate kid kind of thing where you have to just trust the first couple lessons because it's information you're going to need, and it might not do you any good right away, but later it's going to all make sense. And I thought if I have people locked into 10 lessons, I can actually get them there. Rather than if I have a student who shows up for one lesson and I don't know who this person is, I've got to teach them something. They can use that lesson or they're never coming back. Right. And that's frustrating for me because then I end up up taking a lot longer to make somebody a good player. And then I feel like I'm pandering to getting someone to come back. When what I really want to do is teach them how to play poker. That's what's fun for me. I want to to get them to the point where we're having in-depth strategy discussions as soon as possible because that's what's fun for me and that this course allows me to do that. I've got people for 10 weeks. I'm going to lock it in and I'm going to and I've created content so that every week there is exercises, there's homework, there's things to do while you're away and then they can ask questions in the forums about it and we can make sure that by the next week everybody's had a chance to fully understand the week before and we can build on it like a foundation and a house and a second story and eventually up to the sky.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about you. Whether it's you know how you play poker or how you do life or everything, it seems like there's this this overarching strategy. Like you figure, okay, where do I want to get to, and then how do I get there? And I think you need to have that sort of approach to be able to win tournaments. Like you you know you want a World Series bracelet, but also to do something like this. Like you're saying, okay, I know where I want people to get to. I want them to start to think like a pro, to start to understand how pros think about tournaments. So how do I get them there? And I like what you said because you can't just Interject yourself, say, oh, I'll just teach lesson five. You know, right. for for some people, they try to do that. And for some people, that's what they want. They want that quick fix. But I, I know that you approach this thing strategically, and that's why those first couple lessons, like you said, are so foundational.
1: And it's frustrating when I have students who just want the secret. They just, just show up and they go, okay, tell me what tell me how to win. And I start to, okay, here's how you start, here's how you win. Let's start with thing one. And they go, thing one's kind of boring. How do I win? right, right exactly oh there's a lot of work involved i, mean, if I you don't want to know my three betting range i want to know how to win <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and if, if you want to beat your local 30 dollar tournaments i can probably give you a bunch of stuff in a couple right. of them. you could play formulaic and you could beat 30 dollar tournaments but that's not really the goal you know we want you to, to be able to play with world-class players and hold your own and and you know if if you have the work ethic and a little bit of talent we want you to be able to be a world class player if you put the work into it and i want to give people all those tools. and so that takes a lot more than just a simple lesson or two. but with the exercises and the homework i think we'll get there.
0: yeah, and one of the the other thing that i really love about this really fits the rec poker model because you know, i've always said this there's a lot of great content out there. you know, you can just go hire somebody to do this if you're willing to pay enough you can hire a personal coach, all of these things, but one of the things that we're trying to do with rec poker is how do we learn the game in the context of community? How do we learn the game uh, with people that are accessible, where it's interactive, where we can actually bounce things off of each other? Because some of us don't have that learning style where we can just simply consume videos and all of a sudden get better. We need mm-hmm. to be able to play hands and talk about it or whatever it is. And so what really excited me about working with you is that you're 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 willing to be accessible. You're willing to make it interactive. So the, we ha- we're having 10 straight Thursday night live sessions where... You're providing content, but then a bulk of it is just Q&A. We're wrestling with stuff together. Well, what about this? What about that? Then you're providing uh, homework for people to wrestle with there. We're going to have discussion forums open to those who are, part of the, who are participating in the group, and you're going to be active on those forums, answering people's questions. And so what I love about it is just it's interactive. It meets that learning style for those of us who just, we, we need kind of real time back and forth. Uh, you know, as we're processing this information that's coming in, what about, what about, what about? Um, That's what I'm really excited about because I think it really just fits the, the rec poker model so well.
1: I think it's really good for me that people don't, most people don't learn well from just studying a bunch of videos because I've made videos on all kinds of things and it's pretty cheap to join a training site and if that was really a way that that information just poured into your brain, there'd be a lot of really good poker players out there, and I might have to get a job. <laughs> right. That. So um, with this, it's it's reaching a smaller number of people. You know, we're we're probably not going to sell twenty thousand of these things. Right. Whereas you know, when I talked with Poker X Factor, there were four or five thousand members who would come to a seminar, who had an opportunity to come to a seminar every week, who could watch videos, but like fifty of them ever did. You know. And if they all, if everybody was studying those things, it would be a problem. Luckily for everybody who takes this course and for all of us that play for a living, most people who want to get better at poker don't actually do anything to get better at poker.
0: Right.
2: Right. Guys, did you have
0: any questions? Derek, Rob, Stacy?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, it's a 10 week program. And so I sign up, I'm, I'm into week three and then I go into week four and something comes up and I'm, I can't be there. What, what does that do? Does, do, I, do I miss out enough that it's not worth it for me? Or is there some way of uh, getting back to that point and learning that material?
0: Yeah, so what we're going to do, Rob, is they're, they're all going to be recorded. They're all going to be using the same Zoom technology that we're using uh, for the podcast. So they're going to be recorded. And then all the participants will have access to that week's recording for a full week. So you'll, have, you'll still right. get an email the next day or whenever Fox sends that out. It'll be the same day or the next day that, you know, here's all the training, uh, here's all the material, here's the homework. Um, and then also there'll be a link to the video so you can watch that video. Those will be available for a full week uh, after, after its live session. Okay, gotcha. Yep. And then we're, we're looking at, you know, recording those and then, you know, sprucing them up and kind of packaging them together to make available for downloadable sale in the future. Uh, but during the course of the participation period, uh, each one will be available for a week uh, live stream or streamed.
2: And the next question is: Is uh, there's a there's a couple of training sites out there that have these training programs? Like Red Chip Poker has this thing called the Core, and supposedly it starts you at the beginning and gradually builds you up until you're an expert poker player and you're beating twenty fifty games. Um, wh- is that the type of thing this is, where it starts um, pretty much at the beginning and then walks you through the whole thing? or is there an expected level of competency before you even start? I can feel this one.
1: Um, I actually coach for Red Chip. I, I make videos for them. I just made a new uh, new video for them that'll be going up in a couple of weeks. And I like Red Chip and I like their core system. I think that was a good next step in, in kind of the evolution of poker training. When we started, it was really just, here's a video of me playing a tournament and explaining what I do and why I do it. And at the time that was revolutionary and it was super valuable. It helped people a lot, but now there are millions of hours of that. And it doesn't take people to past a certain level. And then there are a lot of things it doesn't do for you. Um, core is a bunch of videos they thought in a row in order that would help you get better. And it, and they do core is a good system. But this is very different from that. this is a you know a very personalized you've got lots of Q and A you get homework. there's no homework in the core videos. there's no exercises and assignments in the core videos there um, and the core videos weren't all designed together. It's a bunch of different coaches, some very good ones. Ed Miller is great, and James Sweeney is really good um, but this is this is a kind of a comprehensive system that covers here's everything you need to know. here's how to use it each piece individually. Um, Redship's also based on primarily cash games. I mean, they're they're geared toward helping you beat two 5-0 no limit games. Um, I haven't seen anything quite like what we do. I know there are other people who have offered classes, groups of seminars, kinds of things, but I haven't seen anything quite like this, which is why I thought it was such a good idea. When we start with stack sizes and understanding how to use them and all the things you need to know about them. We do that because the next lesson we build on what weapons you can use with various stat sizes, and when to use them. And the next lesson, if we talk about tells, we say, if this guy's got this many chips and he has this tell and you're in this situation, you have this weapon, here's how to do things and how to analyze the situation. Everything builds on the next thing. Whereas all the seminars I've seen, and I, and I watch a lot of poker training content, I try to keep up as much as I can. Um, everything that I've seen is a a grouping of here's a bunch of stuff you should know. And I think the way that I've set it up to build on itself and to, to put each piece above the next one and make it all work together is something I haven't seen. And that's why I think it's, that's why I think it's so valuable. I think that once at the end of it, you'll have a better understanding of tournament poker than any other program I've seen.
0: Derek. Uh, I think my question was just, sort of a reverse of Rob's in that could you speak just a little bit about um that player that might look at this list and go um and maybe not correctly assessing their their own game but say like I don't need one through four or five I want to start at like six or seven but then I I think of like I have a basketball game tonight like we shoot layups to start we just you you, you always start with the basics right like, I mean you just you know what I mean so could you speak a little bit about even maybe in your own game, like the value of going back and always kind of reassessing your foundation and like the, there's value in that too.
1: You're right that that is likely to be a, an issue that we face when people are looking at the system because um, the biggest problem with poker training is that everybody already thinks they know a lot. Um, if you ask the average player, they're a winner. The truth is it's between 5 and 10% of players actually are profitable. Um, if you ask the average player, they know quite a bit about the game. And in reality, they don't. Uh, that is a, a, a hurdle we face in, in terms of marketing this thing, for sure. Um, you're right. Uh, the layups is a good example. Um, it's as if you had an opportunity to work with, you know, I'm not the best poker player in the world. I'm, I have a world championship, but I have, I have no, uh, you know, I played the 50K this year and, and there they they were players at my table that were better than I was for sure. I know that I'm not the best player in the world, but I am one of the best coaches in the world. I work with some of the, with some of the best actual best players in the world. Um, a lot of world-class players who don't want to talk about taking lessons work with me when they come to Vegas. I've worked with people you've seen on TV a bunch of times, and I've worked with a bunch of students who came from nowhere and now play poker for a living. And so it's likely the chance to learn more about being a better basketball player from Phil Jackson. And if he says, okay, I want to see 50 layups, and I'm going to tell you how to do them better, you better do 50 layups and learn what you can from Phil Jackson. I used to play a lot of basketball, and if I had a chance to learn from you know, a, a great coach, uh, bring it on. I'll do whatever he says. I'm, I'm in. But I don't know if everyone is going to see it that way. And that's okay. Not everyone is going to have a good study ethic, and if they did – We'd all have to get jobs and, and, you know, I don't even know what I would do at this point. I haven't had a job in 20 years. So if everybody got good at poker all of a sudden, I'd be in trouble.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, there's the, the target, there's a few different target markets that are out there. Um, some are the, those folks that are kind of on the cusp of being a pro and maybe they just need something structured like this. I know one of the big target markets that I'm really going after that I'd love to see people uh, take the course are those that are saying, man, I've been playing for five, 10, 15 years and I'm just not getting better. You know, because they're not really. I watch videos. I've seen the news videos. I've done core. You know, I talk to my buddies sometimes, but um, I'm just not really getting better. I'm just kind of the same where I've always been. And I think that's the perfect one of the perfect target markets for this. For this to say, okay, let's just let's just go back. Let's just make sure you really know what you think you know. Let's kind of deconstruct all the things that you think you know. And it's going to require a humble posture by those individuals. If you're coming into this saying i already know everything okay good fox just confirmed everything i already knew uh first of all i don't think you're going to get anything out of it but secondly i just think you're you're not going to experience the value that that fox can bring so i think that's to me that's the big target market is is folks that are kind of feel like they're floundering they want to take the next level they don't really know how uh but they're willing to take it take a humble posture toward it and really evaluate their game and i mean I mean, Fox, I mean, I don't know if you'd ever want to share like what you get paid per hour for coaching, but, you know, if you want to hire a personal coach, I mean, it's huge. It's super, super expensive, especially, you know, there's different levels of recreational player. Those, those that are on the cusp of turning pro. And then there's people like me that are like, well, how can I pay that much money for, an, you know, given how much I pay in a year? Yeah,
1: because, that's expensive. This, I, I charge $100 an hour and I've actually, cut on the low that, end. and I've actually cut that back a little bit. It was 150 an hour during like the heyday of online poker and I was turning students down. Yeah, because what I did was was so efficient in online poker when I could get like fifty thousand hands from somebody and analyze the statistics and I could do so much that then I had kind of a waiting list of all these people who wanted to play, play online for a living. Right, but that's cut down now, and I enjoy teaching more than I used to, so I've kind of cut the, the, the number down so I can teach more. Yeah, and I think the last thing I would address the kind of the kind of people that are going to say I already know these first four things are not going to do much for learning. Anyway, they're not going to learn much, and they and they're almost certainly wrong because if they that kind, if they have that kind of approach, then there's no chance that they've actually studied in that way. And that that humble approach I learned from martial arts. It's not about thinking that you're not good. It's about taking what people say and internalizing it and believing it and listening to people and trying to learn. It's it's about that attitude rather than. Um, you know, Americans often see humility as this thing where you have to say bad things about yourself and that's not, right. that's not what it's about. It's about having an open attitude toward other people and toward learning and other people having knowledge. Right. And that's why I'm a member of other training sites. That's why I take lessons when, when I can. That's why I talk poker with my friends and I watch videos and I'm always trying to learn. You have to, to keep up with the game. Yeah. So if I run into somebody who was asking me a question, like, "What are, I already know the stuff about stack sizes what i don't need that lesson my assumption is they probably don't know very much about stack sizes they just know enough that they think they understand but really do you know the stack size of everyone at your table all the time do you know what your stack size is in big blinds all the time do you know we talk in big blinds and never in m anymore because big blinds are more efficient do you know what the various zones are and what your push fold ranges are from 0 to 10 or 0 to 11 and when you can push fold with 14 big blinds versus when you would want to raise and invite a re And do you know when the re zone is? And there's, I have a hundred questions for you and you're not going to have answers to all of them because you probably don't understand sex the way you think you do. I'm right. going to teach you entirely new things about how to do layups and never miss one that you didn't understand before.
0: Yeah, and maybe you can even uh, get me to jump high enough so I could actually dunk. That would be <laughs> <you cool>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can dunk instead of just doing layups all the time. But, oh, but uh, that, that's so good. Down. And I think, you know, I mean, here's an opportunity for... You know we're retailing this thing at 300 bucks. Uh, so it's ten 10 sessions, an hour and a half each, plus the homework, plus the 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 discussion forum. Uh, but if you're part of the Rec Poker nation, uh, you can just use the code Fox Poker, you get that for 150 bucks, so you get a half price. And you know where I was going with that was, you know here's 15 hours of training from a World Series of poker bracelet winning champion, plus an interactive forum, plus the potential to, the ability to save these videos in the future for basically 10 bucks an hour. Uh, And, you know, and it's the price of a running ACEs double stack uh, for an opportunity to grow your game. So I think even if you're looking at this saying, boy, there's parts of it I feel pretty good about. If you can extract value uh, from any parts of that, I think it's, it's well worth it. And if you start doing the math and saying, boy, I think this could even increase my ROI by one or 2% a year, do the math on how many buy-ins you have and you'll see what kind of value uh, this brings. So I want to encourage everybody out there really, you know, take a look at this, go to rec poker training. Uh, you can go to look, there's crazy like a fox right there. You can click on that. It'll show you, uh, Chris has already put together all 10 session descriptions. You can see the whole schedule out there running from March 21st to May 23rd, 10 straight Thursday nights, eight to nine 30 central. You can get all the details out there. Look it through. Uh, shoot me a note if you have any questions, uh, but we'd love to have a number of, of you folks out there joining us for that.
1: I really hope it's a bunch of people. I think it's, it's more fun with a big group.
0: For sure. And we do have a couple of, uh, th- this, this podcast will be released on Thursday or Friday. We have a couple of uh, Facebook and Twitter contests. So if you're listening to this today, go out there and if you, if you do the like, retweet, comment, share, all that kind of stuff, uh, we are giving away uh, one of the courses on Facebook and one of them on Twitter. Uh, so, so go ahead and enter that and, and spread the word and maybe you can win it and it won't cost you a dime. All right. Well, anything else you want to add, Fox, or any other questions from you guys before we get into the, the hands?
1: I don't think so. Um, I can just tell you that the, the descriptions I wrote up were pretty basic. The amount of information you're going to get is very in depth. But, uh, the biggest thing I think that I've done is to simplify a lot of this information because I've been, te- I've been teaching for so long that there are a lot of great players who don't teach well and a lot of great teachers who don't really play that well. And it's hard for them to then teach you how to play if they don't understand everything. I've spent a lot of time learning to teach and, uh, yeah. Books like, I read The Talent Code, and that was a really interesting book. And I've read all these books on how to teach people things. And, And what I've come away from that with is that you have to interact with people when you're teaching them. And you have to do something, be corrected to do it the right way, do it again, get correction, do it again, get correction. That's the path that gets you. That's how the best boxing coaches and the best martial arts coaches and the best basketball coaches and the best golf swing coaches And the best chess teachers all do it. So that's what I'm doing in this situation. I give people very simple, you know, like my push-fold ranges. I'm going to give you all the push-fold ranges for 10 big blinds, but you're not going to study and memorize all of them. So I'm also going to give you two ranges that you have to remember that are super simple, and then I'll tell you a little bit about how to alter them, and then your push-fold is going to be 95% of the way there, and I'll send you a little chart that has those two things on there. And it changes the way you see the game completely. Instead of going okay, I need to learn about push-fold, but I have to memorize all these ranges and I'm not going to remember them all, to, oh, I know how to do push-fold now. If I'm at a tough table, I can be nearly unexploitable with my push-fold ranges very quickly and easily.
0: Oh, I love I love that too. And and uh, for those of you listening too, I'm, I'm open to having some discussion groups kind of between the sessions too. So if we're doing this on Thursday nights, I'm very open to having just some online discussions from those who are part of the course uh, so that you know some of us can wrestle with it kind of between uh, sessions too, and kind of go through the homework together too so I'm open to that uh, as well so I think it's gonna be a very dynamic very interactive thing to Rob's point the the you'll be able to stream the video if you miss one or if you see it I mean you might you may want to watch this two or three times uh, to really absorb all of the content so uh, I think it's a great opportunity well let's why don't we why don't we take that Thank you fox for that by the way I mean I'm, I'm excited that we're we've been working together kind of on the margins for for several years and I'm excited to actually have something, more concrete and more in depth that we're working on together. So I appreciate your your willingness to partner on that.
1: Hey, thanks for making this thing happen. I've been wanting to do something like it for a long time.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just super stoked about it. For me personally, <laughs> I'm not just a whatever. I'm not just an owner. I'm also a client. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Uh, so let's let's move in. Uh, you you got a hand? We might just be able to get through one hand here. But why don't you uh, pick one of those and walk us through how you're thinking about it?
1: Well, maybe we'll go a little long because. These two hands go together, and they kind of have the crazy like a fox theme. Where, okay.
0: So we'll have we have about maybe twenty five minutes max.
1: All right, I'll get All to right. them fast, and, and I try to use do very simple hands. Um, a re-steal, maybe something something that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, I've done a lot of videos on in the past on re-steal, and I've taught it to a lot of people, and it is basically when you have uh, eleven to twenty two big blinds, is it you know approximately in that range. Uh, and someone raises you can go all in over the top of them with a very wide range if they ha- if they if they don't have a big hand and they're likely to fold um, It looks weird if you don't understand the math behind it I can always teach people the math behind it and show them in a spreadsheet like exactly why it works and how much money you make but it is a, uh, a known concept and a lot of online players in particular understand it well Excuse me, I went to Vegas um, probably seven or eight years ago with a, uh, an old player from Canterbury named Ron. He just wanted to go to Vegas, and he asked if I wanted to go, and I said, sure, so we drove to Vegas. He had rooms for us, and he was very tight. He did well in tournaments in Minnesota back in those days. Very tight was stronger than it is now. But he was very tight, and he was very old school. He was in his 70s, and he was, was standing behind me on the rail at the wind watching me play a hand and it was in a 1k which is a tough field at the win. Um, they're not as soft as like world series of poker or thousand dollar events would be and there was a raise and a call and they were both strong players and i knew the raiser from middle position didn't need to have a real hand to raise and i knew the caller from late position certainly didn't have a hand because he knows the other guy doesn't have a hand and he's going to re-raise if he has a hand in this spot most of the time and I had 14 big blinds and I had the five, six of clubs. And it's just a great spot for me to rip it in from the small blind. So I ship it in and I lift up my five, six of clubs far enough for Ron to see it. My opponents both fold. I put an extra six big blinds in my stack and we increased my stack by almost 50%. If they call me, I got a shot at my five, six of clubs, but they're not gonna call me. They just aren't most of the time. And uh, when, when I went on dinner break, he was there and he said, I can't believe you did that. I don't know what the hell that was all about. He <laughs> thought it was not I understand. And I explained re-steals to him and it changed the way he saw poker completely. I don't know if he still was playing any differently or if he played a lot differently after that. But at the time he said, that just changes everything about the way I see poker. it's not about whether you have the best hand or not. It's about whether you're making a profitable decision or not. And then what i like, and I wanted to make this about the crazy like a Fox thing is that these are, these are hands that people won't understand if they don't know anything about poker, they, or if they're beginners and they, and they haven't been introduced to these concepts. Um, and they also kind of fit together these two hands to show you how leveling works. And leveling is basically the old I and powder game from princess bride. It is, <laughs> um, it is, well, you would have, you would have shipped all in if you had that good a hand, but you know that I would think you would ship all in. So you would, Chip on if you didn't have a good hand, but you know that I know, and then it becomes just just mess. And as you get better at the game and you understand things like re-stealing and three-bet folding and three-betting light and um, flatting to invite a re-steal, all these things that can happen, then the game gets wonderfully interesting and complicated. And that's way more fun than playing a $50 tournament where you just have to wait till you have the best hand and get it in because you know they're going to call. The game gets way more interesting at the higher levels. So. The second hand took place about a year later, and I was in Tunica, and I was playing a World Series of Poker circuit. It was either the 1K or the main event at the circuit there, and there was a fairly soft player in early position who was raising a lot of hands, and he was folding to re-raises, and he was um, was not a very strong player. We could tell that he wasn't uh, an experienced player and hadn't studied a lot, and he raised the player to my right was a player who I knew well, and who knew me well. Um, we'd maybe only played together a couple times, but we knew each other from reputation and from online. And we'd already had kind of some conversations about poker that, that told me he knew exactly who I was. He, so the small blind had a fairly good size stack and just called from the small blind. And that's an odd play from a good player. You don't flat from the small blind very often. And it's a really odd play when you know that there's what I would have been considered at the time, an internet kid uh, to your left. I know I'm 45 now and they still call me an internet kid in the mixed games. Um, if, if there's an internet kid to your left who you know is a, you know, a studied player and he's got 14 big lines, if you flat there, you know, he's going to ship maybe a hundred percent of his hands without, you know, I might even pretend to look and ship it in there.
0: Well, especially because if it's a, a loose open, right? Yeah, yeah my like hand that, might right? not matter there. Yeah. If,
1: if the small blind had been a soft player, uh, I rip it in there instantly and it doesn't matter what my hand is. Hmm. But the small blind was really good. And when he called, I thought, I wonder why would he do that when he knows I'm going to ship it in? He's got to be setting me up. And I had ace, queen, of diamonds, which is such a good hand to ship it in there with. But... I, why would he do that? It doesn't make sense to me. This guy's too good to flatten a small blind and then throw away those two big blinds. He just put in there when I ship, but he knows I'm going to ship like a really wide range. Hmm. So I just called and we saw a flop.
0: And so, so you called not, not as you're trapping, but just called because this is a red flag. Like, yeah, he, I'd rather
1: just see what's going on here and yeah, yeah. what kind of trouble I might be in and see how the flop looks. Because if I ship here, the small blind is calling. Yeah, okay. Ace, king, aces, kings, queens, jacks. Probably that, that, that might be his whole range there. If he yeah. set me up, you know, it's probably with one, one of those hands. Yeah. Um, I call. We see a flop. Flop is nine high. I check. Uh, Player to my right checks. I check. The original razor bets. It's like nine, four, three or something. The original razor bets. The guy to my right calls, and I fold. On the turn, they get it all in the original opener has like fives or some nothing hand and the small blind has Kings. Yeah. (laughs) He was, he was definitely setting me up and I told him I had ace queen and he said, when it took you so long to call, I figured you must have a real hand. And, uh, and it was a great leveling game where um, he doesn't know that I'm going to have a big hand there. And if I don't have a big hand there, maybe it doesn't make me pause and think. And maybe I do ship it in. But what he's hoping is that I ship it in. And when he does that and he just flats, when I don't have much of a hand, it might even be the best play even if I'm going to snip it out. But if you know I had ace-queen, he's definitely going to like make a small re-raise there because then I'll ship it in over his over his re-raise. You right. know? But he doesn't expect me to have a hand like that and and to flat in that situation. Meanwhile, the under-the-gun player has no idea what's going on. He can't imagine why this guy flatted with Kings. And when I told him I folded Ace Queen of Diamonds, he has no idea why I would flat with Ace Queen of Diamonds. And as he's he has a few more chips than the other guy. So he's still at the table. And he asked both of us, what the hell was that? Why why did you why would you flat with kings? And and then when he flat, why would you not go all in with Ace Queen? I don't understand why this all happened. And of course we didn't explain it to him. But it's one of those, you know. It's the very, very the crazy like a fox approach that that you know it's not crazy, but it sure looks like that from the outside. And you really don't understand what's going on. Then it looks like you're insane. Like we just like it looks like we both played the hand terribly, and the only guy who was smart was the guy who raised with fives. But in fact, it was the other way around, and we just kind of were playing a leveling game there. And in with deeper stacks, you could be leveling and leveling and leveling and leveling and get yourself really out of you know get really out of hand. But I do see like some of the younger online players. We'll do things like, you know, somebody raises with nothing. I was in a hand like this, actually, where I raised ace-10 from the cutoff. My buddy, Eric Baudry, was to my left, and he three-bet with the button. And I know that he's going to three-bet all my cutoff opens. And then Annette uh, Brian Devonshire is in the small blind, and he knows that we're both going to raise with nothing in this spot, so he four-bets. And then Annette Oberstad's in the big blind, and she's for 60 big blinds. And I know that Annette's gonna ship it in with nothing there because she knows all of us. So then I'm so then I I think, well, like if this was a bunch of randoms, ace 10 is terrible here. And I'm like, I might fold kings or something in that spot. But against these guys, I ace ten, that's great. I have the best hand. I just rip it in. The other two guys that are stuck folding, and Annette and I are in a race with ace ten against a pair of fours, and I win the race, and I you know, end up with a mountain of chips. You know, and, and everybody watching from the side just thinks these, these right. what aggressive pros are you
0: – five, You five-bed shoved with ace-10?
1: <laughs> yeah, these aggressive pros have lost their minds. Who are right. these idiots? And they, you know, you understand that what's going on on the inside is really a lot of strategy. Crazy like a fox, baby. So, yeah, that's why I think those two hands work together and kind of make it interesting.
0: So, so yes, yeah, so I mean, I'm interested, like, just even as you – I mean, I have a million questions, of course, Then that's why we'll have the course. Um, but but just even, you know, I hear you talking about, like – You you mentioned the player type. You mentioned, you know, loose or uh, aggressive. uh, But it sounds like really the the heart of thinking about people is really the motivation, right? It almost sounds like you're breaking it down into why is this person doing that? Why is this person doing that? I mean, you you certainly know the characteristics of the person to some degree, but it sounds like there's a. it's not just a player type. Like sometimes I think I get stuck in this, oh, they're loose, they're tight, they're passive, they're aggressive, and I just kind of label them there without really thinking about, What's their motivation in this
1: situation? Yeah, you have to be in their chair and see through their eyes. That's that's when you really have them. Because when a loose, if you just assume, well, this guy's loose, and then he calls and he's loose aggressive, and he just calls a bet, and you think, well, he must, you must, that must be the bottom of his range.
0: He has a wide range, right? That's Cause all. I Think always, cause yeah. he's
1: always so aggressive that now, if he's just flatting here, you know, now he's really got nothing because he's just loose aggressive. When, in fact, when a lag slows down and calls you like that, that's, it's time to be careful because that's when he's got a big hand, you know? When he's changed things up, why is he flatting? Because he's, he's flatting because he wants you to keep betting. And the same thing with, like say, uh, you know, a tight passive player who suddenly raises and you think he's got to have a nuts. Like, do you know this guy? Is he tight passive player who's smart? Has he just been passive? Like, is he suddenly raising because now the only way he can win this hand is raising and he's decided to bluff? and. You have to know what do they know and, and then why do they do this? And that's why we talk about both player types and appearances and tells and all those kinds of things in the courses because you have to know why someone's doing something and who they are. And I get a lot of reads here where I just have constant tourists that I play with and I'm not playing with the same people all the time. I have to learn to read people very quickly. So right. I've learned to read people from like what kind of clothes are they wearing and what are they, how do they approach the table and all those kinds of like little things that you can learn about people very quickly.
0: Yeah. One of the things that comes to mind too, when you think about, uh, or or when I think about at least that firsthand too, the five, six of clubs and, and raising and people going, what, you know, what were you doing? I know oftentimes I'll be at the table, you know, when I play the higher dollar uh, buy-ins, at least for me, the higher dollar buy-ins and there'll be, you know, a pro or somebody that I really respect their game. And I see them doing something that just looks quirky. looks really weird. looks really off to me as a recreational player. And I think, uh, the best thing you can do in that situation is start to kind of dissect why would they do that. I think, I think one of the things that so many players do is they just say, "Oh, that guy's just an idiot."
1: Yeah. You know,
0: rather, and, and I think you you just you lose all the value that you could extract from that situation by at least asking the question of why. What were they trying to do there? And I think that's a, again, it's sort of a posture thing that we're trying to teach here for players to say, you know, don't evaluate it. Don't just throw it out and say, "Oh, that guy's an idiot." Say, what were they trying to do? And I think the same thing there. A lot of people could just say, Oh, well, Fox, he's just crazy in terms of how you define crazy in one way. <laughs> and instead of saying, well, maybe he's crazy yeah. in terms of a wily sort of sort of way. And I, I think we just do such a disservice when we just dismiss people's plays or when we just dismiss players without really figuring out what they're trying to do there.
1: I think that's one of the reasons it's great to have a group like you've put together because somebody will figure it out. If, yeah. if, you, if you think, I just can't come up with why anybody would do this dumb thing, somebody will go, maybe it's this, and then you can kind of figure it out. Having a group of people, you know, the 10 hens are better than one in that spot, for sure. Yeah, for sure.
2: Stacy, Rob, Derek, any questions? I was just going to ask on that firsthand, um, that would be a normal uh, snap. That would be a normal snap shove with that big blind with those big blinds if you were opening from the small blind that particular hand so i'm wondering if you would have done that with other hands that wouldn't normally be in that range
1: in that spot i probably would have shipped about 50 percent of my range i I probably would have been like anything down to four deuce suited and deuces and any ace and and he suited king, queen, or jack. And you know it would have been a, a very wide range. And uh, try not to think of things in terms of a snapshot because I played a hand at the World Series a couple of years ago. I had an aggressive kid to my left. I had limped in the small blind once and he had raised me off it. I knew he was gonna keep doing that. I limped with 18 big blinds. He raised to three big blinds. I shipped, he folded. I threw my king nine offsuit to the dealer. It didn't show anybody anything because I knew he was going to do that. And with that, with that number of big blinds, it might not be a snap shove. You might, be, you might have a really bad player on your left that you want to see a flop with. You might have somebody who you know is going to raise every time you limp, and then you can ship it and make him fold after he did that because he's going to give you a ton of credit if you limp shove from the small blind. There's all these options. You have to keep every option open.
2: Right. I was just saying that. um, if it folded to you in the small blind, that would be a normal a uh, shove position with your stack size.
1: It would be an it would be like a GTO Nash shove right. for sure. And so
2: then I was just curious if that factored into it. I mean I you under I understood the other factors. Yeah. I, I was wondering the if questions. the hand made a big difference.
1: And uh and I would say um my reship my reshift range there would be wider than my open shoving range.
2: Okay, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, that's what- yeah,
1: that with, Especially to. with a raise and a the call, there's so much extra money in there. When I don't think those guys are gonna call me very often, then my, reship, my reshoving range can be really wide. I can probably pull up a spreadsheet and make a case for reshipping 100% of your range there, but I tend to be a little more cautious than that because of other tournament reasons. Right,
0: very good. So, foxes. We think about, I mean, these hands, but then we also think about the course. I think some people will will think about they want training because they want to fix their leaks, which which I understand that that perspective. But I think you know the the posture we want people to take toward those courses. Let's just kind of rebuild your your you know don't don't lose what you've learned, but let's rebuild your strategy or at least your mindset and how to think about tournaments. But in in the process of doing that, what do you think some of those leaks are that you see in recreational players that will get fixed if they you know kind of take this humble posture toward your course and and build up their tournament game like what are what are some of those things that you think will just naturally start to disappear from our games that are currently costing us money
1: i do think finding leaks is the hardest part of coaching it is hard to do you don't get any of it really from training sites and you get very little of it from just listening to a coach tell you how to play poker because he doesn't know what mistakes you're making. And he's probably never going to cover that, that section. Yeah. I just worked with a student a couple of days ago who I've done about five lessons with. And instead she watched me play online for a couple hours. And during that time she said, Oh, I learned so much. This was amazing. You're playing this way different and this way different and this way different. And without her watching me play and actually having go through going through a bunch of hands, she would never pick that out. I see the same thing when we do hand labs in, um, in Reno, I'm going to do some hand labs where everybody sits at a table and I deal out a bunch of hands and then we play out the hand and then we talk about how everybody played the hand and how things could be done differently. When you're making your own decisions and I can see when you make wrong decisions or or when you're not thinking about things that that could help influence your decisions, then I can spot a lot more problems. Uh, In the course. Because there's a lot of Q&A, we'll be able to help some with that, and the exercises are primarily designed to help with that. There are going to be some quiz questions. I'm going to say, here's 10 questions. Um, Tell me what you think about these things. And uh, you can post them on the forums, and then I'll, I'll I'll look through them and reply to them. Or you can just use them and then use the answers that I give you the next week and kind of grade your own paper and see what you think about how you did things, and if you if you have a, you know, a disagreement with me about why things were correct, that's kind of how we're going to do our best to find those leaks. And by the end of the course, I'd like everyone to be able to analyze things themselves. So at this point, I know that I'm not the perfect poker player, but I am able to analyze my own game and figure out where my leaks are and find ways to get better all the time. And that's the key is once you get people to a certain point, they're kind of often running on their own and they can analyze their own game and find their own leaks. And then they become a very valuable poker friend. And then they find better poker friends who play better and they can have better conversations and kind of spirals upward into being a, being a really great player. Because nobody who's good, really good and has that big understanding, it gets tiring trying to teach someone who doesn't know very much. It's, it's you know, they want to go talk to people who can teach them things.
0: right? And part of the uh, the part of the course, the last session, you are going to be some, doing some of that where you're actually playing and talking mm-hmm. through the decisions, which I think is super fascinating, and people really will enjoy that.
1: Yeah, I think that's really valuable stuff to to actually see somebody play and then be able to ask questions about why they played something a certain way and hear them talk about it. I think it is valuable stuff.
0: Good. Well, anything else from uh, Derek, Rob, Stacy? Any questions, Stacy? Yeah, I had a
3: question. Um, number one, what you were just saying just relates totally to me because I'm a fairly new player and I feel like listening to some guys, I don't, I don't have enough knowledge to know what questions to ask. And so just even the past few months, just hanging out with the rec poker, the more I learn, the more I feel like I can ask questions. And I think what you were just saying just nails it uh, in a big way. Um, But I wanted to clarify something. You talked about the re-stealing. Did, did I hear that correctly? You you kind of mentioned something 11 to 22 big blinds. is that your kind of a definition um, of stealing position or what, what did you mean by that?
1: That's generally what people call the re-steal zone or the re-steal range. Um, The re-steal zone is usually 10 to 20 or 11 to 22 or whatever somebody decides it is. Um, You can re-steal, you know, successfully with eight big blinds if somebody's soft enough. And sometimes it's profitable to re-steal with 28 big blinds if you know the right spot, but generally it's, it's around 10 to 20. And, uh, I can take you, you know, I can take people through all kinds of math on re-steals and made all kinds of videos, done a lot of research on it. But the basic stuff is you're looking for fold equity from your opponents, which usually means you're re-stealing against somebody who raised in late position and you're doing it with 10 to 20 big blinds in a spot where you think you've got a reasonable chance of them folding. And that's when I plug it into my spreadsheet and it becomes very profitable. If I have thirty big blinds, it's usually not so profitable. If I have seven big blinds, they're usually not going to fold, and then I'm just kind of getting it in with a bad hand. But and there are you know, there are times to do that too, but generally ten to twenty big blinds against a late position razor who is likely to fold when you go all in is the is the way to go. And you you'd like to have some kind of hand that plays okay to see all five cards. Uh, five, six of clubs is better than Jack Deuce Offsuit, even though Jack Deuce Offsuit beats five six of clubs heads up because when you run those two hands against the kind of range people are going to call you with five, six of clubs does a lot better. You know, if if somebody's only going to call with a a top five or 10% hand when, and a lot of people will only call with like a top five to 7% hand in those spots. Um, then five, six of clubs plays a lot better than, than a, a weaker hand that has a bigger high card or something. You want a hand that kind of has some chance to win against the big hands that'll call you.
3: Okay. So if we take that back to that first hand when you were you were at 14 bigs what if you'd have been um at 100 bigs what what how, how do you think through that what you just let that opportunity pass I'm, you're not going to shove there what what how I'm, does definite,
1: that... I'm definitely not going to shove there with more than say 22 big blinds in that spot um, I know that my opponents calling ranges are going to be pretty good because they were strong players who raised um one of the, the the initial raiser was an online player named Rechi who is still pretty well known and who's won a couple million online and i know that he's going to he's going to call fairly correctly uh when i resteal against him so i'm not going to do that with 25 big blinds because i'm risking too much to win too little um with 100 big blinds given that the raise came from him and the flat came from the button from a player who didn't have any respect for the original raise, and I don't think they necessarily have a hand. I would consider three betting there, but it's oh, there's a lot of table dynamic stuff. Do they know who I am? Did what do they think about me? How have I been playing in the last hour? How have they been playing? How many big blinds do they have? Where are we in the tournament? You know, what's the big what is the big blind like if I'm in the small blind, and what kind of you know if I'm on the button versus the small blind? Because if I three bet and get called, at least I'm in position. There's a lot of things to think about when I have a hundred big blinds. You have to really play poker in that spot. Whereas it's, it's very simple with with less than 22 big blinds, then I just know, I you know, then I can just generally be sure that I'm doing the right thing. And if I instead had six big blinds, I might also go all in for the for the express reason that the blinds are going to fold because they're afraid of the original razor. The original razor, knowing that Ratchi a pretty aggressive player and he knows this kind of stuff, he might know that I would go all in without needing that much of a hand And he doesn't want to see the pop pop out of position. So he's going to re-raise and he's going to min re-raise because it's going to be cheap for him to do it. Because I only made it another four big blinds or three big blinds. He's going to make it another three big blinds on top of that and chase out the caller. And then he's going to be all in against me when I may not have much of a hand. There's a ton of extra money in the pot. And I'm okay with that because I'm all in with a ton of extra money in the pot with five, six of clubs. And I don't think he has much of a hand either. We've kind of put the squeeze on the blinds and the other guy. Um, uh, uh, David Sklansky referred to it once as implied collusion. Right, you're not working. You're not working together, but you're kind of working together because you know what you're, what is, what's going to happen if you do things a certain way. That's so good.
0: Well, I think we're we're just about out of time here, Fox. Do you have any any last words
1: before we wrap up? Nope. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for putting the program together. This is yeah. going to be great.
0: For sure, it's always always I mean, a pleasure to have you on. We're so. to Reno in March. March yeah, yeah, let's pull up. Yeah, plug plug that deal a little bit. So the the Atlantis in Reno,
1: I Ninja, yeah, fantastic, fantastic place. I love that place. Four bucks an hour in comps for cash games, and you can pre register with a credit card for the tournaments. There's also going to be a seminar on the sixth. If you show up, I'll teach you more stuff. Um, and there are free roll satellites. This whole this thing's going to be amazing. I think we're going to get a really big field, bigger than typically you'd see in Reno, and. Uh, The property is super fun. I think this is going to be great. It's going to be our first big event since the tour was resurrected. So we're going to be blowing it out with a ton of swag. We're giving away, you know, we just got like a bunch of stuff in the mail, two big boxes yesterday of stuff we're going to give away that I'm sure no tour has given away quite things quite like this. We just did a photo shoot with a model with a bunch of our stuff and she was holding our trophies. The trophy for the main event is uh, a custom-made ninja sword, a katana with our logo on it. So we went on, went out to Red Rock and did a photo shoot with this model, like holding the sword and doing poses on the rocks, and it was super fun.
0: Was it? Was it Jordan? Was she the model? No, she's no? so shy.
1: <laughs> she won't do it. I can't get her. To...
0: She's too busy doing the legal paperwork to make sure that the sword doesn't <laughs> really? cause you some liability.
1: She ordered the swords. Totally her. Oh, okay. She got the swords, and she got the glass case that locks that they go in, so nobody can pick them up <laughs> at the poker room and get in a sword fight.
0: That makes sense. Well, yeah. thank. Thanks, Fox. Thanks, uh, Derek, Rob, Stacy. Thanks for being on here. Thanks to Running Aces, uh, our official sponsor. Make sure you go to recpokertraining.com. Check out Crazy Like a Fox. Go to I Ninja Poker, Check out Atlantis. Check out everything else that Fox has going on. Uh, subscribe to our newsletter. That's the best way to stay in touch. That's the way you get the codes for all the discounts. Uh, and again, uh, use Fox Rec Poker to get half off of the uh, the, the Crazy Like a Fox course. Uh, Go to iTunes, like us, rate us, review us, Patreon to support us. Otherwise, until next week, good luck on the felt.